Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Here's your food hot take for the month in a Bay Area that's obsessed with freshness and seasonality. There's one food that's not really a seasonal treat here, and that is ice cream. Summer here, after all, is not defined by Memorial and Labor Day. Shards of it are scattered all across the year, most especially in these gorgeous weeks of early fall. So today, we talk Bay Area ice cream. It's our latest installment of All You Can Eat, our regular series on our region's food cultures. We'll be joined by both Luke Tsai and Alan Cesaro to talk with and about our unique ice cream makers. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. The news can be tough. Annoying political stunts, difficult climate events, tragic things at the local level. So today, how about a little treat with our KQED food team? Here, I'll let um, Eddie Murphy tell you what we're doing. Ice cream! Ice cream! The ice cream man is coming! The ice cream man is coming! You don't need any money, though. Um, it's all free. It's all free. This is all part of our ongoing collaboration, All You Can Eat, where we cover the diverse and remarkable food ways of this region. It's really proven to be a beautiful way of sharing so many communities' traditions. This morning, we're blessed to have two members of the KQED food team with us. As always, we're joined by Luke Sai, KQED food editor. Welcome, Luke. Thanks so much, Alexis. And we're also lucky enough to have Alan Cesaro, KQED food reporter and a poet and educator también. Welcome, Alan. Hey, buenos dias. Good to be here. So, Alan, you wrote about ice cream for KQED. Um, this seems like the absolute plum assignment. Like, how did you, how did you go about uh, doing it? Yeah, so I, you know, jokingly told my wife I have the hardest job in the Bay Area, and I had to eat ice cream for about two weeks straight, which is harder than it sounds when you have to eat it every day. But it was enjoyable. Um, so I basically made a map of places that just offered different varieties of ice cream. You know, I say ice cream in air quotes. We live in the barrier, right? So we have an eclectic range of cultures and flavors to choose from. So I was thinking of, you know, the traditional stuff that we all grew up with, you know, vanilla, chocolate, double rainbow, stuff like that. As I went further into it, I started realizing pretty quickly that 
there was a lot of other things that I hadn't expected. Um, you know, my family is from Mexico, so I've, I'm familiar with different flavors, but I'd never had something called tejuino. It's masa based. So we're talking the stuff that's used <laughs> to make tortillas, pupusas, tamales. They slush it up, freeze it, put it in a cup, put a scoop of lime sherbet into that. And then you basically get this liquefied taco basically <laughs> um and it's served in nieves cinco de mile in fruitvale oakland um it's over there on east 12th street yeah exactly yep right by the bart station so that those are the sorts of things that i quickly was became drawn to right um we lao shan is a spot in berkeley hong kongese dessert chain they have something called chewy mango ball which is part mango slushy part mango sorbet part actual mango chunks part mochi-esque chewy balls which are freaking addictive and then it's served cold in this shareable um you know sort of saucer um and it's so good it spawned knockoffs that hui lao shan is like these are not affiliated with us like we created this <laughs> so those are the kinds of things that i was again drawn to and sort of enamored by and, and really enjoyed um and it kind of just yeah. made me realize how universal that you know these quote-unquote ice cream as we know it in the united states um it sort of has all these iterations in the multiverse of the ice cream kingdoms across the world right so it was dope man i'm not gonna lie I had a lot that's of amazing luke i mean i think of you as the person who knows absolutely everything about bay area food things did even some of these things surprise you to be like oh i hadn't seen that or heard about that for sure i mean i think that's the thing about it. I mean, there are just so many different cultural traditions. So like, um, you know, an, another one uh, that Alan talked about, and, and I believe the uh, creator of it is joining us today um, uh, a little bit later. Um, but, you know, uh, he wrote about these um, ice cream nachos, um, which is, again, just something that I have never heard of. But of course, of course, why not ice cream nachos? Piñata flavor, um, no less. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so for sure, you know, I think that there is always, you know, whenever I travel, um, whether it be internationally, um, or whether it be, uh, just around the country, if I go to a new place, um, if I find out that they have some sort of like special ice cream that's distinctive to that area, like I will always try it. Like I might not necessarily try your like local take on pizza necessarily but if you have some sort of special ice cream 100 i'm i'm always going to be in the shop trying mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. um so i think it's just it is like you say it's a wonderful way to experience different cultures i mean even within the sort of conventional category of ice cream dairy ice cream you know it's like I, there also seems to be in the bay area a kind of willingness to experiment with what goes into that ice cream do you agree with that luke like i'm i'm even thinking back like 15 years ago when humphrey slocum started putting like vinegar in their ice creams and stuff like that <laughs> yeah there there are definitely um places that are pretty experimental with their flavors um and you know for me you know sometimes that that works for me and sometimes it doesn't work as much <laughs> um but i think you know like i think they're definitely like very grown-up ice cream shops <laughs> in the Bay Area, right? Um, although I do feel like um, if you're a sort of shop where like if a child walks into your ice cream store and they can't find anything <laughs> you're that doing appeals it wrong. to them, I feel like you've sort of lost the thread, you know, at that, at that point. 
Um, but you know, one of my favorite um, ice cream. This is a it's it's an Argentinian uh, gelato shop um, from back in the day, and it's still around. Um, it's called Lush Gelato. Uh, used to be on Piedmont Avenue. Now I think they're over on North Beach. Um, but I wrote about them like 15 years ago. Um, and uh, the Federico, um, the owner, was one of those guys who was just really willing to be experimental with flavors, you know. And so I think when you're talking about ice cream or you're talking about gelato, you know, um, for me, like the measure of it is, you know, one, the texture, I think to me is is even bigger than the flavor, you know, like like I'm looking for that ideal mm creamy um a little bit dense sort of texture um not icy you know if, if we're talking about ice cream um and then you're talking about the flavor and i think like there are certain places where they're just able to distill the essence of like whatever fruit or whatever thing it is um and and lush gelato is one of those places but for a while they were super experimental like he was doing like uh habanero orange chocolate um and and just i would i would watch as he dialed in those flavors and he was like you know this habanero like we got to make it spicier because if someone <laughs> orders the habanero orange chocolate they're expecting a punch they want in some the face. bite yeah yeah, <laughs> right. yeah um, exactly so yeah I, I i do appreciate that about the bay area i think yeah. um there are lots of people who are doing cool stuff we're talking Bay Area ice cream from decades-old mainstays up to up-and-coming pop-ups. It's part of our local food series, All You Can Eat. Joined by Luke Sai, as always, food editor for KQED Arts and Culture Team, as well as Alan Cesaro, food reporter uh, for KQED. We want to hear from you, of course. What's a unique ice cream or another cold treat, as we've been hearing, you know, the incredible multiverse of cold treats out there that you've encountered in the Bay Area or maybe you'd like to encounter in the Bay Area, but you haven't found. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You got Twitter. You got Instagram. You got threads. We're KQED Forum. Over on the Discord, our digital community on the platform Discord, we did a little listener challenge and we got so many different, um, I guess just memories of and favorite spots. So some specific flavors. Um, Vicky on Discord said, I've been loving Nuna's ice cream, but I can't seem to find it in the Bay Area. Love their black sesame, the taro, and the toasted rice. So subtle. And also that they have dairy-free vegan options. Um, the Another listener wanted to shout out um, the nostalgia of ice cream. Quite possibly mainly due to nostalgia, but I have a sweet spot for Thrifty's ice cream. It was a treat for my siblings and me. My dad would get a scoop of the Rocky Road. I would choose the pistachio. My sisters, either the mint chocolate chip, chocolate malted crunch vanilla, or sherbet. We would also pick up a scoop of coconut pineapple from my mom. On one of my visits back to California, I packed a few half-gallon boxes of ice cream and dry ice with me. It was a street, sweet treat whenever I was homesick. So I want to ask you, uh, Alan, first, and then Luke, is there an ice cream that for you captures that nostalgia? Yeah, I mean, mine was a pretty basic one if you're a barrier person, I think, which was um, Double Rainbow. And that's actually where I started my ice cream saga a couple uh, weeks ago, there's still one in Benicia, which Benicia as a little town is is a pretty gem of a place that I think doesn't get a lot of love in the Bay. Um, but they have the original location from 1984, I believe. Um, it might be 94. I'm sorry. Um, but anyways, it's it's old school. They still have the neon signage. They have like these cool 
plastic giant Sunday chairs. Um, you know, I took my son and my wife, like it felt very much like, oh yeah, this is something that uh, I experienced as a kid. And now we are experiencing now that I have a kid. Right. So yeah. that's kind of the cool thing about ice cream as I've thought about it more is that it's a very timeless thing. Um, and it's, it really transports you back to, you know, your summers growing up and being with your grandparents or birthdays, like all these generally good things in our life. <laughs> so it really does hold that sort of like happy value that not every food, right? Like I don't love seafood. So when I eat it, I have other memories, but like ice cream, like let's go, right? Like this is a <laughs> early treat that I was obsessed with and that yeah. many of us get um, easy access to, right? It's affordable. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Luke, yeah, how about you? Bring. Yeah. Do you have, um, <laughs> do you have a nostalgic flavor? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up, I think I grew up eating a lot of bad ice cream, you know, so so I remember like a staple of my youth was like the Carvel ice cream cake, you know, which mm -hmm. I don't know, do they even have Carvel out here? But but those ice cream cakes, which for a while, like every single kid's birthday, you would oh, have yeah. the Carvel ice cream cake uh, to the point where I reached a certain point like around college where I was like I never want to see a Carvel ice cream cake <laughs> again in my life um but the other thing I, I I would say is I grew up in New Jersey um and throughout most of New Jersey um as well as like in the Philadelphia area we have this chain called Rita's um which I think they have a couple of them out in the Bay Area now too but they serve frozen custard which is sort mm. of like a richer creamier soft serve and then they serve a particular style of Italian ice fruit flavored Italian ice um, in Philadelphia. They call it water ice um, and you can mix those two together and they call it gelati, um, a layer of custard, a layer of of, of water ice. Um, and I just I love the stuff. And there's a place in the Bay Area um, where you can get it called Flavor Brigade, opened wow. by Philly Guy um, and it's in Oakland. That's amazing. Um, that's the ice cream uh, <laughs> truck song. We're yeah, talking Bay Area ice cream with Alan Shazara, food reporter with KQED, and Luke Sai, KQED food editor. We'll be back with Preeti uh, Narayanan, the co-owner of Coolfi Ice Cream, right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking the Bay Area-specific ice creams from the decades-old mainstays. Of course, we're going to talk Mitchell's at some point, I promise, as well as new pop-ups and places. This is part of our local food series, All You Can Eat, joined by Luke Sai, food editor with KQED Arts and Culture, and Alan Chazaro, food reporter. 
Um, kind of fun. I'm going to have some listeners introduce our next guest here. Aris, you wanted to shout out, this is uh, Aris in Pleasanton. You wanted to shout out a particular uh, shop. Go ahead. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I uh, I was actually going to talk about Preeti's uh, spot uh, called Kulsi Creamery in San Leandro, uh, one of our favorite spots to go to. Um, we love, love, love the fact that the, uh, what they've done to Kulsi. Kulsi traditionally is like a very dense Indian ice cream, um, but uh, the 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 play on words and the play and 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 their creativity is just fabulous. Um, I love whenever we go out there, we do the flight, which is like a, a selection of a few of their. Uh, you could choose whichever ice cream you would like. They give you abundant tasting, and we sometimes <laughs> indulge a little bit too much. Um, I also love the fact that she brings some of the culture and nuances from India, like, you know, Preeti's mom uh, does a dosa batter, and, and Preeti created a waffle a cone from the dosa batter, um, which I thought which just blew my mind. You know, I'm a chef myself, so for me... Um, it's our go-to place. Uh, it gives me goosebumps every time I go and taste um, some of her some of her ice cream. So, um, big, big, big fans. I wow. didn't know she was going to be on the show, but I'm really, um, I'm really happy to put a shout out for her. Oh, I love thank it, you. Aris. Thank you so much. Um, that's a that's an amazing welcome, Preeti Narayanan, co-owner of Coolfi. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Alexis. How are you? doing today ah doing so well doing so well and i just want to say that was a, a beautiful introduction to your shop and like who goes there and what it feels like for them can you give us some of the the backstory how'd you get started building a, a place that feels like that absolutely arif thank you so much for that introduction it took all my nervousness away um <laughs> uh, we uh the background is that I came to this country uh, to do my master's in civil engineering. I worked for a long time uh, in that field. I did a lot of, I was a project manager for big um, transit projects in San Francisco. And um, I call it, uh, you know, tra tragic comedy. <laughs> my wife and I were going to watch a comedy show and it rained that afternoon. And I told her to be really uh, cautious and be safe, not to drive. We'll take part. That's what we did when we're coming back from the comedy show bam, we got hit by a bus. Uh, we were on the crosswalk. You mean like actually hit by a bus? We both did, yeah. And that that changed the trajectory of what we were doing because, you know, for the first time in our adult lives, as immigrants, you know, we on an H-1B visa, we did not have much um, place to maneuver, to think about what options there are. We had to do what we came to, you know, learn to do here. And... Oh, oh my gosh. As that story is um, just absolutely enthralling. While we while we get Preeti back on the line, I, we actually have another um, comment from Martine on the Discord, um, also talking about Kulfi. Um, she says, Kulfi uh, Creamery's ca cardamom flavor and the South Indian coffee flavor are great. I first loved the dad's cardamom flavor at Three Twins, which I could get at the Berkeley Farmer's Market. It was only after three years without it that I finally spotted another cardamom flavor from Coolfee in the store at Farmer Joe's recently and enjoyed it. Excited to go to the in-person spot, too. Um, you're back, Preeti. Continue. So yeah. you, were, you were saying um, that as, as immigrants on H-1B visas, you didn't really have a chance to really think about, like, well, what do I really want to do? Then you're literally hit by a bus. That's right. 
and That's decide right. you're going to do something else. Correct. And I just realized that I don't want to do, I don't want to do what I was doing. I wanted to do something that made me happy. And more importantly, I wanted to do something that made, that brought happiness to other people. And uh, the engineering was not it for me. So after all, you know, after thinking about this for a while, I quit my job and went to Wisconsin to learn how to make ice cream. And, you know, many a couple of years passed, did a bunch of things and then opened our, our ice cream parlor. The thing is, uh, when we started making ice cream and serving it to our friends, everybody was gushing about it, uh, you know, uh, but the thing Free ice cream is always wonderful ice cream, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, we were being graded on the free curve. Yeah. I know. That's right. So, you know, we want, we started out wondering whether anybody will pay money for the ice cream we're making, particularly because our flavors were not the traditional, you know, vanilla and chocolate. Uh, we had these Indian flavors. And so we started out with a small cart, small investment, and we started popping up uh, at different places. And then we reached out to a couple of, fantastic women uh, business owners in the Bay Area. I want to shout out to Zocalo Coffeehouse in San Leandro and Olava Charo in Sunnyvale, you know, two different areas. Um, and they were so kind enough uh, without knowing anything about our business to help us pop up at their place. And that's how we started. We pop up every week there and we'd have people come and taste our ice cream. And then the word spread, word of mouth. And we got into, uh, we got to do some weddings, some birthdays, some bar mitzvahs. And, you know, some uh, ice cream socials. And so we said, okay, you know, this, uh, you know, this seems like people like it. So year two came, we said, we'll do some events. So we did San Leandro Cherry Festival, San Francisco Pride, yeah. and a bunch of other festivals. And uh, we got very excited. So we're doing only scoops, right? And then the next year we had it was all planned. We had all, we had a lot of uh, events lined up and COVID hit. Uh. So, yeah, so for six months, we just, we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, life was, life came to a standstill for everyone, including us. And all our events dried up and we quite kind of couldn't figure out what to do. And then we started watching other ice cream places. And there are so many creative, innovative people um, in the Bay Area. And I saw a bunch of small other businesses, other ice cream places like mine, starting to sell pints in stores. And we decided, okay, that might be something we'll try. Uh, we made pints, but that was another completely different ballgame. We had to learn so many things about making pints, labeling this, that, which is very different from how you do scoops. Uh, we started doing that. And then a couple of years later, we did deliveries with the pints. Mm. We broadened our reach. And ironically, the COVID broadened our reach, but because from doing just a couple of events and being at you know locations with only a small reach, now we were doing delivery all through the Bay Area. So we develop our clientele like that. Yeah. Uh, and then, well, yeah. Really, um, I, I wanted to ask you about kind of the specific versions of South Indian desserts that you've kind of brought into the the, the food of Kulfi. Tell, tell us a little bit about like why you think these specific traditions are, are kind of special and interesting. Sure. Um, you see, a little, little bit of history. Uh, the first wave of Indians that came in the 1900s, uh, to, uh, and before before 2000s were North Indians and they brought their culinary traditions with them. And kulfi is one of those traditions that come from North India, uh, which I completely love. But after 2000s, especially with the tech boom, a lot of the South Indians arrived. Now, South Indians mostly eat uh, rice versus North India eats wheat. Our culinary traditions are very different. We are very coconut based 
and tamarind and you, you lose a lot of tropical fruits and flavors in our food. And my family comes from the South, even though I grew up in Bombay. And I want to focus on and bring forward the culinary traditions of my mother and my grandmother, and my aunts and people in our family. And so, but I wanted to do that in a medium that was already very much loved in America. And I, uh, you know, as an engineer, I went and read up and it seemed like ice cream was the most popular dessert in America. And I loved ice cream. I grew up uh, with kulfi, you know, marking every happy occasion in my life. <laughs> so, you know, as Alan was saying, my nostalgia was all about kulfi and all about these des desserts that my mother made. So uh, it was very natural for, for me to bring forth the yeah. desserts that I grew up with in the, in the medium of ice cream, and especially, you know, French custard style ice cream, which I think is the best and creamiest possible that I, you know, that I had. Yeah. So we do a, for example, we do a vegan roasted banana, which is inspired by a temple prasad. Prasad is the offering that you give to God and then you get in return in a South Indian temple. Um, I love Byright's um, oh, salted caramel. caramel. Salted yeah. caramel. Um, and, you know, the salted caramel is great, but we have a dessert called Mysore Pak, which comes from, uh, which is a mix of garbanzo beans and ghee and sugar. Hmm. Um, and that just goes beautiful. It's, it's sweet, but it's also full of the ghee richness. It goes beautifully with the salted caramel. Uh, we make um, oh, curry leaf sorbet with curry leaf that's part of very much part of Indian, South Indian, uh, you know, yeah. culinary tradition, savory culinary tradition. So a lot of the things that we eat in our in daily life, we want to incorporate into ice cream in a really fun way. That's what we do. Yeah. Preeti Narayanan, thank you so much for, for joining us. Co-owner of Coolfee uh, Creamery and Cafe, a much beloved um, new institution here in the Bay Area. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, Alan and Luke Sai. I'm going to go back to the phones here. We've got some more shop uh, shout-outs as well. Larry in Oakland, welcome. Good morning. Um, I uh, I was just talking with someone that uh, one of my favorites is Tara's Organic Ice Cream on oh, College yeah. um, near Alcatraz. It is phenomenal. They have it's all handmade. Uh, on site, and they have everything from mint made with mint leaves to five uh, Chinese five spice to cilantro. And cilantro is actually phenomenal. Um, a little bit biased that my daughter works there, but it is <laughs> awesome stuff. Just it is really stuff. good. Um, um, Charles is actually uh, my children's very first ice cream. Um, they just think, you know, every ice cream shop has cilantro ice cream, of course. Um, <laughs> one, one listener uh, writes in to say, in San Francisco, you can find ice cream made with ingredients that you never thought or perhaps wanted to try in ice cream form. And more often than not, they're delicious. A recent favorite is the basil flavor from Byright. Pear and blue cheese from Salt and Straw is also an odd but tasty one. And Jen on Discord has a, has a similar comment that I'm coming to you, Alan, uh, on this. Uh, when I traveled, people would ask me what weird flavors I had tried. But it's not weird. Ice cream can be seen as a canvas, especially for the culture. In the Philippines, I had green mango sorbet with shrimp paste. In Italy, I had an aperitivo uh, plate with red pepper gelato and blue cheese gelato. Also, I once made crab ice cream, which elicited negative reactions, but the next time I described it as cold crab bisque, 
Everyone enjoyed it. It's a mindset, but also what is ice cream beyond a cold mixture of cream and sugar? Um, so I think where, where I want to go with this, Alan, is the kinds of flavors that you feel like kind of pushed your boundaries of what could be ice cream or what could be a dessert. Yeah, I've already shared a few like the tejuino, even though it's not traditional ice cream. Um, one that I particularly enjoyed and Luke also alluded to this was the the uh, ice cream nachos. Um, and we will have Stephanie come on to speak about that. So I don't want to give away too much, but you do get to choose your base ice cream flavor, um, you know, horchata, elote. Um, I went with the piñata flavor, which really spoke to me because, first of all, what does a piñata even taste like, right? Like to me, that's I'm already drawn to that <laughs> artistic sort of conceptualization of a flavor being like, something yeah, it's a that, garbage candy flavor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, more or less, right? But um, essentially, it's what it probably sounds like. You just take a bunch of crushed candy, smush it into this vanilla ice cream. It's basically a Mexicanized version of like a birthday cake, let's say. Mm -hmm. But again, it's very poetic, actually, if you think about it, to, to flavor it piñata, because literally piñata doesn't have a flavor. It's more of the the sort of essence of a piñata, right? So right. I, I really enjoyed those sorts of more interesting yeah, yeah. fusions, right? Um, and then Hufi, who we just had on, um, Preeti didn't mention, she has a gulab jamun sundae, which is this Indian dessert sort of like a donut hole, deep fried, soaked in sweet syrup. You pile some ice cream on top of that. I got Southern coffee, um, coffee, excuse me, uh, which is Southern Indian coffee flavored. Ooh. And then they put rose petals, pistachios. So um, don't get me wrong. I love a good root beer float. But um, now that I'm a bit older and more sophisticated, <laughs> um, I like to experiment and learn about different yeah. cultures. And, and ice cream is actually a really good way to do that. Luke, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, it, this conversation was making me think about, you know, people brought up cilantro flavor. Um, and so I don't know if anyone listening has had this, but if you go to uh, night markets in Taiwan, there's a very famous uh, dessert, uh, which is basically like an ice cream sort of burrito. It's like it's like ice cream wrapped mm. inside of this kind of crepe. And the special thing about it is that it is topped with cilantro and crushed peanuts, which um, if you're familiar with Taiwanese cuisine, is this is like kind of quintessential flavor combination. Normally you have it on like pork belly, um, but they put it on ice cream and don't knock it until you try it. It's, it's, it's actually quite delicious. Um, and the other thing that I thought of um, sort of going coming back to the Bay Area, uh, a sort of unique Bay Area flavor, um, if you go up to Mendocino, there is the uh, candy cap mushroom ice cream uh, which if you go up to if you go up if you up like there's lots of shops up there that have it um and it is uh it's it's subtle it, you know you're not gonna feel like you're biting into like uh like a roasted portobello or something <laughs> it's a more subtle sort of perfumey like earthy kind of background note it's still a sweet flavor um but that was another flavor where i had uh. it you know i i don't know if it's like I wouldn't want to eat it every day, uh, but it was like one of those where it's like, ah, oh, I'm glad I tried that. Yeah. Let's uh, let's squeeze in one more call before the break. Francesco in San Rafael. Welcome. Hey, Alexis. Alexis, how are you doing? Um, I just wanted to, uh, one, respond to uh, your earlier guest's uh, 
sort of question. And yes, you can get the Carvel ice cream cakes out here. Uh, Finally, Luke, you can get your Carvel <laughs> ice cream cake. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> right, just go to Safeway. You should be able to find it. Um, and then uh, I want to give a shout out to Silberman's Ice Cream in the Terra Linda area of San Rafael. They've been there since forever. They're family owned. Um, they make all their own stuff and they're just pretty fantastic. They make really solid uh, made-to-order ice cream cakes and ice cream pies as well. Um, and my personal go-tos are their root beer marble, which really does just taste like a <laughs> root beer float with just the ice cream. Um, and uh, during the holidays, they do a spectacular eggnog ice cream. Oh, that's one of you know. I do love. Um, thanks so much for that, Francesco in uh, in Centerville. I do love how many of these ice creams are so associated with these particular experiences or times of the year, times of life. A um, couple other, a um, couple other um, comments from listeners. Michael tweets: Been missing the Italian lemon ice of my youth. Guys would pedal it from tricycles fitted with a cold box. And I'm wondering now what lactose intolerant people eat. Uh, another listener writes, we're a family of five and we used to eat out all the time. But food's gotten so expensive and kids waste so much food. So true. Uh, so over the summer, we started instead of going out for food, trying to taste every ice cream shop in the East Bay. Even when it's overpriced, it's still affordable in the scheme of things, and it's rare that the kids don't eat all their ice cream. To your point, Alan, about how that like ice cream remains kind of an accessible thing. We're talking Bay Area ice cream from decades old mainstays to the up-and-comers. This is part of our local food series that we do with the KQED food team. It's called All You Can Eat. We're joined by the food teams Luke Sai and Alan Cesaro. Earlier, we were joined by Preeti Narayanan, co-owner of Cool Fee. And we want to hear from you. What's a unique ice cream or ice cream vendor that you have found uh, here in the Bay Area. You can't get anywhere else. The number is 866-733-6786. You can email forum at kqed.org or find us on all the social things. This is Tom Waits, Ice Cream Man. We'll be back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. There's an ice cream party in my house. Ice cream party in my house. Please come over. 
There's an ice cream party in my house. An ice cream party in my house. Please come over. There's an ice cream party here on Forum this morning. We're talking Bay Area ice cream with the KQED food teams Luke Sai and Alan Cesaro. Wanted to bring in another guest. We have Stephanie De La Cruz, who is the owner of De La Creamerie. Welcome, Stephanie. Hey, thank you for having me. So we've been shouting out your um, ice cream nachos <laughs> through the show. Um, do you want to? Do you want to talk a little bit about like why you created ice cream nachos? Yeah, I mean, nachos is one of the best foods to eat. Period. <laughs> um, but it's also just like one of the best sharing um, items. Mm. I think it's great to have with a friend, a loved one, a group. Um, so I just have abundance of tortillas at my house always, all the time. Um, and one day I just thought like, Relatable. Hey, what if I made, <laughs> yeah, what if I made these into, um, something a little bit more sweet and, uh, growing up, I feel like even now it's really common to during the holidays, fry up some tortillas, coat them in cinnamon and sugar. Mm -hmm. And it's usually like a gift for a neighbor or a friend. Um, we call them bunuelos, but it's kind of like a, a hack on how mm -hmm. to make the actual treat. Um, so I made it with that kind of in mind. So it's a corn tortilla that I coat kind of like a trudel. Um, and then I just cut them into chips, uh, put a scoop of ice cream, some toppings, some sprinkles, I think really look great on it. Um, a house made sauce and then it becomes like a whole shared experience between yeah. you and someone else or you, if you don't want to eat lunch and you just want to go yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, Stephanie, did you gravitate towards kind of Mexican inspired flavors because that was just kind of what was in the kitchen or were you sort of like, all right, I'm going to make this intentional decision. I'm going to represent the culture in this ice cream. Um, so at first it was just what I wanted um, I had never had flavors like what I made. Um, so I really told myself that I wanted to have horchata ice cream. Mm. And I didn't know where to find that. And now it's kind of funny because you see it at like Trader Joe's. And I've tried it. And it's just not like what I want. It's not those flavors that I want. Um, so I told myself that I was going to go and make that. And it took me a really long time to figure out how to do it. And then it, honestly, too, like every time that I tried it, even when it was bad, it was still good <laughs> because it was those flavors that I wanted, even though it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Um, and then I started sharing it with some of my closest friends and my family. And everyone was just kind of like I like opened something in our souls that like, <laughs> oh, we, we had never had this before. And um, it really just kind of like flourished from there. And I, I just felt like inspired to keep digging deeper in my culture and thinking of things that represented us. And a lot of the uh, ingredients that I still use now are things that are pretty much always in my kitchen, always in my mom's kitchen, um, always in my grandma's kitchen, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, over on our Discord and our digital community, there are a lot of um, ice cream makers. I know that, you know, you, as you were describing, you got started out making ice cream at home. Do you have tips for people like that you learned through, you know, making all those batches of orchata ice cream? Tips is 
it's going to be really bad. <laughs> it's going to be perseverance. That's the tip. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going, you know? And honestly, just like, just kind of like Pretty was saying is like, there's always someone that's willing to accept free ice cream. So uh, that was kind of the thing for me is like, hand it out, get it out of your freezer and make a new batch, you know, like just kind of keep going because with the horchata for me, it's my best selling um, flavor now. And it just took me so many trials and errors to get something that was really good. And I just think if I hadn't done that, like, you know, Deli Creamery wouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, before we let you go back to making ice cream, I know that you're really a, a, an avowed fan of Bayer ice cream. Do you want to shout out any other shops that have kind of inspired you with their flavors or their technique or anything like that? Yeah. So um, when I first moved to the Bay Area, by right, just like completely stole my heart. And um, they have the creme brulee that they used to scoop. I think it's only in pints now. And that flavor to me, it's like so simple, but it's not something that I see often. So I would get it every time. And it just really kind of opened my eyes to something that's simple, classic, but you don't really see an ice cream form. And I feel like that was like the first scoop that I had that was just like, oh my gosh, there's something more to this. Mm. I love it. Stephanie De La Cruz, the owner of De La Creamery. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, let's go back to the phones, Luke and Alan. We, we need to talk about this. Steven in San Francisco. Welcome. Uh, hi, I, um, wanted to, I moved here from Florida in 2006 and I didn't realize when we moved into Noe Valley, what an institution we had just around the corner from us. And like coming from a place where I thought 31 flavors was exotic. Um, you know, we found Mitchell's just down the street mm. and we're introduced to all of these um, different flavors from around the world. You know, they, they had the standards that were delicious. Um, but, you know, it's, it's now a legacy business in San Francisco. They just celebrated their 70th year. They have a beautiful new mural there. You know, they've had longtime employees. It's just, it's a San Francisco institution for, um, for us and, and for my family. And I just, um, I'm so happy that it's, it's still around and thriving and it's just one of our favorites. Absolutely. Steven, thank you so much. I, um, Look, whenever I would mention that we were doing, you know, an all-you-can-eat with our particular configuration of interests on all-you-can-eat as an, and doing an ice cream show, it was like people were like Mitchell's. Mitchell's is uh, amazing. Do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about Mitchell's, Luke, and and maybe places like it that do become, you know, like in the sort of topography of San Francisco memories. It's like Mitchell's is like the mountain of memories of people in San Francisco. You know. Yeah, I mean, I the thing that is so interesting to me about Mitchell's is the way that specific communities have really embraced it. You know, like I think arguably Mitchell's is perhaps most famous for its like Asian and sort of like Hawaiian inspired flavors, mm -hmm. like the ube flavor um is like uh probably their you know i would guess probably their top seller um and what's interesting about it is like the mitchell's is not like per se owned by asian people or or um hawaiian people um but they sort of found this niche and they developed these flavors and they really i think um embraced those communities um that that were loving those flavors and so i think what's interesting to me about mitchell's is that not you don't just go to mitchell's 
to have Mitchells, but you'll see all these shops. Um, like there's a shop in my neighborhood, you know, which is a predominantly Latino neighborhood. They sell Mitchells, you know, and you'll see a lot of shops that are like run by Asian folks and they'll carry Mitchells. Um, and so it is a, a really kind of neat way. I, I feel like, um, that, uh, like different communities can sort of rally around, um, something like ice cream. Yeah. Love it. Um, let's bring in Rishi in Berkeley. Welcome. Hey, thanks for including me in the in the conversation. You know, in the Bay Area, and I'm a pediatrician just for background, so I'm always thinking of kind of a, the health lens on stuff. And there's such a health vibe in the Bay Area. So I'm just curious, are there any ice cream shops out there that have, I don't know, creatively thought of putting in vitamin infusions or using honey instead of cane sugar or any of those kinds of things too? Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. Um, Rishi, um don't tell me I can't feed my kids ice cream. Sorry, I'm going to hang up now. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rishi. <laughs> I no, I it is a it is a really interesting question though because there are a whole bunch of different ways that you can do different things to ice cream so that it's not you know at least the kind of um, dairy and traditional uh, sugar. Um, does either of you know? I mean, I guess I'm where my mind goes is mostly to the non dairy alternatives. Yeah. I have a couple that came to mind. That was a great question, by the way. Um, Dewey's Cashew Creamery, again, just non-dairy. I feel like they have a pretty unique approach and just delicious ice cream. Um, but one of the creameries that I came across in my in my search here was a Garden Creamery in the Mission. Um, and when I actually coincidentally met one of the owners when she just happened to be in scooping ice cream um, and her and her partner go to the farmer's market every weekend and they hand select basically everything that goes into their ice cream. So I just found it to be particularly, I don't know if healthy is the right word, but maybe healthier <laughs> and fresher. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just kind of like herbally and very minty. Um, and It tastes healthier, even if it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fresher for sure. Right. So there are spots like that. And I just want to shout out like the yeah. barrier sort of like agricultural abundance that we have. And a lot of our, Food makers and ice cream makers here often do this, right? They have organic products Absolutely. that are expensive, um, but they really go out of their way to give us that product that is um, not just sort of this like processed crap, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. we're really blessed in that sense. And sometimes I think we forget that. I do at least. <laughs> yeah. there's. We also have a, an interesting call from Owen in Burlingame who has a, a, a different kind of ice cream. Owen. Yeah. Hi. It's... Um... I found a Keto, K-E-T-O, yeah. gelato in, um, where did I find San it? Carlos, San maybe? Carlos, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of the store, but I'm kind of addicted to it. <laughs> uh, and and uh, it's very good uh, uh, ice cream. And also, I, I've noticed... Um, I get a good reaction from Nick's ice cream. You find it in uh -huh. um, some of the stores. Um, doesn't seem to raise the blood sugar levels very much. I'm a diabetic, so that's God, why I called in. I mean, the keto gelato then is, yeah, really a... Um... Uh, just a, a wonderful addition. Um, thanks so much, um, Owen, in uh, in Burlingame. Um, oh, and 
Alexis, I wanted to, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn because obviously I'm like the opposite of a of a medical uh, professional. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if anybody saw there was this fascinating article in The Atlantic a few months ago um, that was basically it was called it, the headline was Nutrition Science's Most Preposterous Result. And it was this whole article that was about how like back in the 2010s, there were all these studies that came out that found that uh, there were actually positive health associations with eating ice cream, like like a half a cup of ice cream a day, supposedly was associated with a lower risk of heart problems um, among diabetics specifically. Um, and but the, the article was about how basically no one ever reported this finding because all of the research kind of afraid <laughs> of being mocked, and they just thought this can't possibly be right. Um, and so what ended up happening is like uh, people started promoting yogurt. Um, but I guess at least according to this article, all the positive health associations that that were found with yogurt, there were actually like just as much or even higher positive health associations with ice cream. Yes, so anyway, so, I don't yeah. I don't I don't want to put out like any quack. Um, no, but if anyone wants to check it out, it's the May 2023 <laughs> issue and it's by yeah. David Merritt Johns. That's with two. Yeah. R's to, uh, and I do think there is something to be said for like. If, if it's in moderation, you know, I feel like that's like, and if you're, and if you're eating ice cream that is made with like real ingredients and you're not like eating like, you know, five scoops of it at a time, <laughs> you know, I, I think like maybe, maybe some of this health concern can be a little bit yeah, overblown. Yeah. Um, let's go to uh, Barat in Sunnyvale. Welcome. Yeah. Hi. Hey, this is a, uh, thank you. Uh, can you hear me? Oh yeah, sure can. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a great show. Actually, this is perfect to listen to when I run out of ideas on new places to eat desserts. I'm just going to go back and listen to this. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to a place called the Pints of Joy in in Sunnyvale. Um, it has kind of uh, you know I think you covered Indian uh, flavored ice creams, but this has some fairly unique things that I have not seen before. And I don't know the story behind it, but it was like a hole in the wall in Sunnyvale during the pandemic, and now it's a much bigger place. And um, yeah. they have a unique uh, gulab jamun ice cream, which actually has pieces of the of the dessert of the gulab jamun dessert in the ice cream, which I've never really seen before. Mm. Um, so that was kind of unique. And they have chiku and lychee, uh, which is also not that that common. Um, and they have they have some uh, uh, some booze rated ice cream as well, which I've never really tried. So, but yeah, it's a it's a great great place. Um, your your one guest was mentioning something about unique flavors. There's a durian flavor ice cream in a place called uh, Sugar Mama Desserts or something I've seen at a farmer's market. And I've never really found a durian flavored ice cream anywhere else before. So, oh, um, man. Shout out to yeah. the show we did on things like durian. Um, fascinating. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bharat. That's those are that was pint of joy in Sunnyvale for those listening who wanted to to get in on that. Um I did want to ask uh, Alan and Luke for um, their take on this comment. Zach writes, about a week into moving here, I went camping in Big Basin. And that was the first time I tried an It's It, which is, you know, the ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> Ever since then, I've been hooked. We buy It's It for all special occasions, including my daughter's first birthday as her first real sweet treat. Producer Grace Wan says, overrated. What do you guys think? <laughs> Alan, you want to go first? <laughs> I'll, I'll start off. I, I'm one of those people who I'm born and raised in the Bay Area, so I'm extremely loyal to the soil. 
Um, you know, we're the home of the ice cream man. Shout out the Looney's rap group from the 90s. So we, we have a strong love for our ice cream and our culture here. So that being said, I enjoy it. I know my wife loves it. Um, again, I, I accessibility, affordability, um, abundance. This is something that we can all sort of go to the literal liquor store on the corner of my neighborhood and buy one of these. Um, so for people that don't have access always to kind of get these like high-end, um, healthier ice creams, right? And just have what's in their neighborhood. It's it's really served that purpose for a lot of us growing up in the Bay. Yeah. So in that sort of capacity, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, Luke, since you, you came from the East Coast, what your thoughts are. Yeah, you know, like the, to the commenter who said they, they're really loving it, like, I'm glad that it's doing that for you. Um, you know, like, I, I'm glad. I love that, that for you, <laughs> says Luke. I'm glad that people are really enjoying it. You know, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't have any hatred for it's it, you know, to me, it's just like, it's fine. You know, like, I, I guess to me, like, it's more of like a texture thing. I like, see. it's just, it's just yeah. like, the cookie is a little bit hard. The ice cream is a little bit hard. Um, and you know, I, I, but I think it's just different if you grew up with, yeah, it, you know, yeah, um, absolutely. like for, for me, like I'm nostalgic. Like I grew up eating the cheapest possible generic brand ice cream sandwich that you can buy at the supermarket, you know, the kind with <laughs> so the it brings of, you back to your childhood, the, yeah, the, no. the, the, <laughs> the cakey, the cakey kind of cookie that sort of smushes into your hand while you're eating yeah. it, you know, and the sort of flavorless vanilla ice cream that like melts almost instantaneously. Like I like that, you know, like yeah. I'll, still yeah. eat that now you know so i feel like if you grew up with it you know that that that's that's what does it for you we want to shout out i, I was wanted to get to alexis in berkeley who's opening a new shop it's called lexi's frozen custard another listener tina actually wrote in to say lexi's frozen custard started as a food truck during lockdown lexi took orders and delivered her amazing frozen custard this week is the grand opening in her brick and mortar space right next to freight and salvage on kitteridge in berkeley so Check it out, Lexi's Frozen Custard. You heard it here first because it hasn't even opened yet. We've been talking about Bay Area ice cream from the mainstays to the new places. This has been All You Can Eat with Luke Sai and Alan Cesaro. Earlier, we were joined by Stephanie De La Cruz, owner of De La Creamery, and Preeti Narayanan, co-owner of Cool Fee. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. 
Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.